Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Those who know me well know that I am a total book nerd. Like when I was growing up, my favorite Christmas gift of all time was a box of books. I am like that level before I'm a lawyer, before I'm a speaker, before I'm a podcast host. I'm a writer and I'm a reader. So this episode is extra special for me because we're going to be talking about how to get published. Cynthia Merrill is my guest today, and she is an editor and writing coach by profession, but a writer at heart like we all are. Since 2018, she has helped writers polish their manuscript and find a publishing path that fits their goals. She lives in Arizona with her two goofball kids, a rescue pup, and a flock of chickens. We're definitely going to have to talk about that. So if you have ever dreamed of publishing a book, this episode is for you. Cynthia, welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. Hello, I'm excited to be here. I'm so pumped to have like a conversation with a fellow book nerd. I'm calling you a nerd because I'm assuming like all of us book people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, it's, uh, I'm kind of into it. Kind of into it. That's for sure. I, you know what? It's funny because like book people are like that. Like you can come from have like such different backgrounds and different interests. And it's like when you have that thing as the connection, being a writer and being like a, a, a book person, it's like an immediate bond. So yeah. Well, and you can even have like different genres too that yeah. you're a part of and you're like, but the process of being a writer, you can connect over or even just like how ideas come to you. Like there's so many aspects of it that overlap, even if you spend time in very different worlds. So let's start then first, we're talking all about how to get published today. And we're going to kind of talk about all the things, but what is your writing story? Like where did your, because you're, you do this for a living. You are lucky enough to have this be what you do every single day. And I'm guessing underneath all of that is that personal love. So like, what's your, what's your writer's story? Absolutely. I've always, um, I always loved like consuming books. Like they were just, it was like breathing. It was like, I always wanted to have something there that I was taking up. And I remember being as young as like, even in first grade that I wrote some story and I was like, what is this thing? You know? And it was yeah. like, I wanted to keep creating it. And then I, I was like, I would kind of explore writing stories and whatever, but I wrote a lot of poetry too. Mm-hmm. Um, like as I was a teenager and I was just like, man, like writing stories, it just, it felt like a big task. And so I would just write these small things and I would share them with people in my life and they would like cry or they would laugh. Mm. And it was to see somebody else impacted by something that I created in like this private little corner of my life, just based on what I was feeling. And for somebody else, like to light them up, it was addicting almost where it was like, that's like powerful. That's so powerful to be able to like inspire other people or to evoke emotion in them. And so, but it wasn't until (laughs) I was going through a divorce and I was in a state of a lot of um, just like uncertainty in my life that I 
And I talked to a friend that she was writing a book and I was like, I have always wanted to write a book. Why haven't I done this? And I was so anxious at the time. And so there's so much going on that I was like, okay, let's, I'm going to write like a first book. And I wrote, it was like a middle grade and I blew through it in like two months getting it written. And from there, like I realized that I was capable of it and that I could do it. And so that's kind of launched me taking myself seriously as a writer as well. I studied editing and publishing in school. So that's kind of like marrying my passions with a skill set. Yeah. Um, but, and so I love connecting with other writers and helping them because I understand it from that point of view too, from the creation and all of the vulnerabilities and all of the fears. And um, I understand that very deeply. So that's kind of my like brief history of Cynthia in writing. So do you write fiction and nonfiction? Yes. Yeah, so I, um, I've written a middle grade, a contemporary middle grade. Um, and then I'm working on an adult fiction now, also contemporary. I like the real like slice of life sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I have plans this year to write a book about writing. Um, mm. because I think that, I, I think that there's a section of the writing, like books about writing, that hasn't been touched on yet. There's a lot about craft and there's a lot about, you know, like, okay, here's how to write a really good story, but not a lot about like the emotional process of everything Mm. that you're going through. There's not a lot of like compassionate literature out there about writing. It's very much like, go, go, go. And this is how you make everything happen. And, and, and I think that there needs to be a little bit gentler voice out there for writers that are having a hard time. That's that's brilliant. That's yeah. that is a book that definitely is needed because I think at one point on my writing journey I had consumed, you know, all of the things in the books and and all of the information and felt this um this need to plan and, no. you know, there's this conversation, are you a planner or, or are you a plotter or a pantser? And I was like, I have to plan. And what I did was wasted months of work because that is not where my best work comes from. It comes yeah. from like digging in and going deep. And when I start to plan too much, I become a little bit too strategic and I, and not as, and I think everyone operates in a different way. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Whether you're, you know, plotting versus pantsing. And for anyone who doesn't know, plotting is exactly what it is. It's laying out your detailed, like here, here are all of the things, here's everything that's going to happen. Here's how it's going to end. And then a pantser is like, let's see what happens. Let the character tell me what's going to happen. Yeah. So I think I'm very much an advocate for if it works for you, it works for you. And if it's not working for you, you need to either like either you don't understand the tool at, like well enough yet. And so, OK, learn a little bit more or it's like you need like you can abandon that. Like if it yeah. like, for me, the age old advice of like sit down and write every day, I like it makes me feel sick to like force myself into that space every single day. And I'm sure there are great things about like having that sort of habit. But for me, I have to make it a lot more organic and to say like, Oh, I went on a walk with my dog and I let myself wander about this story today in my mind. That was my writing time for today. And, and I think that I, I feel like we've had a lot of writing advice throughout the years 
from very like privileged people too, you know, that it's like, yeah, you've got the space and the time to do it this way. But there are a lot of voices that need to be heard. They're busy people. They're like struggling to make it, you know, in some ways. And I think finding a way that genuinely lights you up and helps you still access that creativity without trying to shove yourself into that rigid space. And so when it comes to like plotting or pantsing, you know, it's like, okay, well, what team am I on? It's like, I Mm -hmm. am my own team. My method is my own unique blend of like all of my things. And so I think really being able to own that um, and own whatever weird thing works for you You know, if you need like physical sticky notes that you put up on the wall, then do that. If you work really well with a structured program, if you do great, especially with something like a mystery or a thriller where you're like, okay, twists and turns, like, I'm just going to follow where this takes me, like, then you do it. And, and if it's not working, then it's really important to, to, um, give yourself permission to let go of a method that's not working. Do you have uh, like a uh, preferred space, like physical space where writing is more productive than somewhere else? That's a good question. I like dancing around a little bit. Like I have my Mm. desk that I do a lot of work at. I really like writing on my bed. Um, It's just like a comfortable space. Um, But I also, if, if I know that I need to write and I know exactly what I need to write and I need to get into that focus space, I do well. Like going out to a coffee shop for a couple of hours and just saying, Hey, here's your time. Like you can't like get distracted by dishes or like, Oh, I'll just tidy this up really quick. It's nice for me to move away from my home comfortable space sometimes so that I take it seriously a little bit more instead of like, "Mm, I'm just playing around having fun. If I have like some serious word count and get need to get in, then that's how I do it. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah, the same. Yeah. I, so I can't like in my office where I am right now, I cannot write. I like if mm. I carve out time and say, okay, I'm going to put two hours aside to write. I will not do it. Like I, even if I move yeah. myself away from my desk, it's the environment, it's the phones ringing, it's people walking in. I can't do it. Like, so I am best in, and I can be in different locations, but I need to be in like a quiet my own my quiet space and then I put music on and blast it in my ears so it's anything but quiet but I mm-hmm. need like my own and I, I can't have people around me like I set up a little ritual mm-hmm. I light a candle I set up like a little crystal grid and just kind of get into that right oh, cool. yeah. right but then I'll like like I've written at my son's soccer practices where there's noise and mm-hmm. stuff but I put headphones on and I'm totally in that space so it's just like you know, it can be in different places as long as I am not like actually called to interact with people, (laughs) Yeah, you know, like you have a way that you know how to get into the zone and you can access that no matter where you are. This message is for the dreamers, doers, and goal getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at shewhowins.com. So let's, let, let's talk about publishing. Um, cool. There's different methods. There's traditional mm-hmm. There's uh, self, there's hybrid. Um, Can you just give like a high level overview so people understand what their options are if they want to write a book? Totally. Yeah. Um, We'll start with traditional. Um, There are 
very like there are a couple very large publishing houses out there. And if you want your work to be considered to working with them, um, most of them will only take agented manuscripts, which means that you need to submit to an agent and um, your agent decides that they're going to represent you. And then they help pitch your work to the publishers. And they also help, you know, with like, if you do get it sold, they help you negotiate contract, they're your advocate, and they don't get paid until they sell your book, which is really important. And if you're looking mm-hmm. at agents, um, a really quick red flag, scammy language around red, like agents is that if they're requiring payment upfront, that they are not actually functioning like agents are supposed to. And so, um, so that's kind of how the traditional side of it works is that you have to first query an agent and then the agent becomes your advocate. Um, but it can also be a long process. Um, you also mm-hmm. end up doing things very collaboratively and create like you kind of have to accept that you're working with a large creative team now even though you are the creator of this thing um you do have to be flexible you know depending on what your contract is about like the future of that work and how it's going to come across and how it's going to be marketed and all of that so a lot of people um have found that um self-publishing can be a great option for them because um you can get your work a lot quicker to market. There are places like yeah. doing it through Kindle direct publishing. Um, Ingram spark is another one that I know of that people have used. Um, and it's a way to get your work out to your audience quicker. Um, there's kind of pros and cons to it. You have more creative control, um, but also you have more creative control and you have to market. You have to find a designer. You have to, hire an editor, you have to sort of create that space yourself. And so it really depends on the kind of the role that you want to play. If you're like, I just want to be like the creative mind behind this. And I want to sign on and find somebody else who can help me get it out and distribute it and all of that, then traditional publishing is a great path. It's competitive. It's not guaranteed. It's a lot lengthier process going Uh traditional. Uh, so there are definite ups and downs to, you know, there, there are pros and cons to both sides. There are also, you mentioned hybrid. Um, I'm not as like, I haven't had as many conversations with people who have gone that route. Um, but I know that there, you have to be really, really careful because sometimes there are yeah. like vanity publishers who essentially like you are paying them to publish your book. Um, but then they're not really helping to market it much. They're not, it's, and, and so sometimes people go that route hoping for a certain result. Um, and then are very disappointed because they're like, well, that I didn't get, I didn't reach people. I didn't, it it was more of just like, they're, they're more just a press to get your work like published, but or like in a print form, but it might not be the result that you're hoping for. But there are also smaller presses that, um, are a good combination because maybe you don't need an agent to submit to them and they might have a little bit more limited resources, but they still have great strengths. They have editors in house. They have, they're very much a legitimate publishing company just on a smaller scale. So there's like a very wide range of possibilities. If you have a book and you're like, well, I need to get this out in the world. I know that I've got a message or a story that resonates. You know, it, it's, it's a great idea to slow down look at your options seriously and and be honest about what you want. If you do not want to play the waiting game, 
And if it's going to drive you insane to wait to hear back from agents or wait to sell it, and you know that about yourself, it's okay to say, I'm going to go a different route. And like, that's just as valid. Um, Yeah. And and just for some perspective to talk about Mm -hmm. the waiting game, I share my story because you hear of like these, these unicorns of like, I have a friend who got a major book deal, multiple book deals, didn't have an agent, major publisher, like all like the things like that doesn't typically happen. Right. So Mm -hmm. like I'm, my story was the complete opposite of that. So it took me about eight months in 113 agent rejections before I found my agent. And then from there, it took us three years to sell my book. And the book that I actually got the agent for, we never even sold. At some Mm. point in that process, I went to her. I'm like, I have an idea for a nonfiction book, even though I'm a fiction writer. And she's like, oh, but you don't have a platform. You need to build a platform before you can, can pitch this book. And I'm like, all right. I can do that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, two and a half years later, we went through yeah. probably four, three or four different rounds of different nonfiction proposals and finally landed with the one that sold. And so yeah. like that was a three year process and it was, you know, it's exhausting and you have to just build up that resilience to rejection and recognize like, okay, it's just not the right one for me moving mm-hmm. on. And I also hear like horror stories of agents who sign you with that one book. And if they don't sell it really fast, then they drop you. So I think that that's important too, is making sure you have the right match for an agent and someone who's kind of with you for the long haul, like someone Mm -hmm. who's going to be with you and understands that this might not be something that sells really quick. And they're kind of, they're in your, your corner. Yeah. And, and somebody that is, that they see the long-term potential that you have as a writer, that they are helping support you in a larger career. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot that I feel like you have to approach with eyes wide open and yeah. to just be very be aware that it's a slow process. I've been sending this um, middle grade out for I think the first time I ever sent it out was in 2020, um, but also that was a weird year for publishing yeah. and oh, sending yeah. stuff out. Like it was it was wild, and I I think right now I'm at like 68 submissions. Um, and I've had four manuscript requests, which were like thrilling yeah. and, yeah. and, um, and I have a goal to like, okay, this year, like, let's get to a hundred. Like it's a numbers game. Like you have to keep submitting yeah. and eventually at some point, if this one's not the one that gets picked up, I'm okay with that. I'm working on something new that I can get excited about. And, and I, and I feel like this is something that I love. And if you love this, yeah you're willing to keep doing it even when like you are faced with rejection, even if it's hard, even if it's painful. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're like, well, I'm not going to stop doing it because I love this so dang much. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep creating things. So and, I mean, I, yeah. and as a writer, it's really for you first, right? right? The process is for you. You don't do it. I mean, writers don't do it for, the attention for like, we do it because it's like that process. And then it's pretty damn cool when someone reads it and connects with it. Like that's like the side effect of it. So I'm super Mm -hmm. curious. I have, I have to ask you, I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I'm so curious because this has been such like a, um, a triggering conversation that I've had lately is Mm -hmm. how you feel about ghostwriting. Oh, about ghostwriting. Um, I don't have strong feelings about it. Like I'm, I think that ghostwriters do like an incredible job. Oh yeah. Honestly, like it's an insane skill to be able to do it. 
I I do wish sometimes that there that there was a little bit more just like upfront, like yeah, like like to just like and I wish that you would be able to credit ghostwriters and like have these really incredible writers because they yeah. always just like fly under the surface and they can't talk about all of the cool work that they're doing. They can't take credit. <laughs> you know, they kind of have to. I see it more from the ghostwriter's perspective. I don't personally feel like it's cheating or like especially if people have a great idea or a concept and they just are not a writer. I don't know. There might be other ways to go about it than like hiring a ghostwriter. But I think I, I mostly just admire the skill that it takes to ghostwrite. And, and I just want people to get credit, you know, for the hard yeah. work that they do. So, but what have been some of the conversations you've had I, about it? Yeah. So I have like really strong feelings about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, in particular, because Prince Harry's uh, book is coming out and right. he, it's, it's been known that he had it ghostwritten. And I mm -hmm. agree with you, the ghostwriter, like that's an admirable profession. The work that they do is probably so much more difficult than the person actually writing it. Like they have to get inside yeah. their head. So this, my, my feeling has nothing to do with the ghostwriter. That's their craft and they are writers. Right. Um, and he got like 35 or $40 million for his book that he didn't write. And that's the part that's like, uh, you know, it really yeah. like it gets under my skin. And and I think it's like there's so many avenues of putting your work out there. For some people, it's mm -hmm. speaking on stage and for some it's writing and for others, it's, you know, whatever it is. And it's like if you're not a writer, then don't force that to be the avenue that you feel like you have to go, you know, that's and that's kind of, yeah. and, and, and I, and I come at that because I've, I've been working in the personal branding space for a bit and I've kind of noticed the, the journey that many of personal people who are in personal branding go on is like, they feel like they have to create the course, create the book. And that's just one step. Yeah. And, and it's like, but if that doesn't, if you're not the writer, if that doesn't fill you up, if that doesn't bring you like excitement, then don't do it, you know, sure, because, yeah. it, because you put your, your name on something that you actually didn't create. And as a writer, like, I'm like, oh no, like, why are you doing it if it's not in alignment mm -hmm. with who you are? So it's, unpopular so almost, opinion. Almost like if they're like, what is the medium that would best express yeah. your story? Like, is it? I mean, and I think that they've done the whole gambit. And obviously, like, we yeah. live in a world where, like, book publishing can be very, very profitable, you know? Yeah. And like like you were saying, made a lot of money off of it. And and I see that. I think the way that I frame it is that, like, he got money for his story, you know, yeah. for selling his mm -hmm. story. And I'm sure that his ghostwriter was very well paid, you know? Like, oh, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, like, could I do that? Could I share my story with somebody have them write it and then put my name on that book. Like as a writer, no way. Like yeah. I would feel so sick to myself yeah. that I yeah. hadn't gone through that process. Like that emotional process of creating yes. my story and putting it down and like doing that whole thing. I definitely understand why people do it. And I understand, and it makes the story very accessible, you know, like yeah. where tons of people can pick it up and read it and, so I understand it. I don't know that I feel as strongly about it. Mostly just, I think I just, I think I'm just like in acceptance of like, well, people do that. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, but like, so it's interesting to hear your perspective, especially as somebody who is very aware of personal branding and very much like 
like we use your skills. Like, how do you yeah. want to do this? And instead of trying to force yourself into how, like, just like, okay, this is the thing, you know, if you're a business owner, you have to make a podcast, you have yeah. to create courses, you have to do all these things. It's like, you can do some of those things if yeah. they align with you and if they're exciting to you and if they feel really good and they feel like they actually match what you're trying to get out into the world. Um, but that's interesting. That's interesting that you brought that up. That's cool. <laughs> I probably will get some some hate for it, but it's been uh, it's it's every time the conversation comes up, I get like a little I get all worked up about it. So I think it's no, probably because good. having like lived with so much rejection and then seeing the advance that I got that like, OK, that's cool. But it certainly was not anywhere close to what, you know, yeah. what other uh, what celebrities are getting for advances. So you, you get like uh, a little. Anyway, we'll move on. Yeah, from get that. a little tinge of uh, <laughs> yeah. envy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's like envy, I, right? I slaved away. I had to become yes. somebody as I wrote this. Like I had to di- like really dive deep, and somebody got to just like, I mean, I don't to have your story shared so intimately on such a public yeah. platform. You know, I think that would be very very difficult. So. Let's yeah. um, let's talk about the emotional process of writing because it is so emotional. It is not yeah. just like uh, you sit down and you do something. Like it's mm-hmm. what's uh, was it Hemingway that said, um, "There's nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at the typewriter and bleed." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, which is beautiful. Well, and I think I think that that's something that. Uh, I, I, I'm still learning. Is this just how I am as a writer? Are there other mm-hmm. writers that just like intellectualize the process and just like have a great idea? They get it out on paper and go from there. Like, I don't, I don't know if everybody's this way, but I know that for me, when I write something, it's often, it's almost like the, the version, the last couple years version of me that like comes into creation through a story. You know, it's the things that I've been thinking about. It's the things, the conversations that I've had. It's, it's almost like this collage that has been uh, like a collage of all of my experiences and the things that I've been growing through and thinking about now being put into life through these characters. And it's a way that I process the world around me and the things that I'm learning. And, and I, I, this is why I feel so strongly that this is such an emotional process because when you are stuck, when you have writer's block, it usually isn't because you're out of ideas. It's usually not because you aren't capable or a good writer. More often than not, when I've coached people, there's some emotional root at it. Mm. When you go to sit down, okay, are you putting way too much pressure on yourself? Do you have like, what are the voices that are going on in your head? There's so much. And I think that like, like tackling a creative project is a really great way to learn about yourself Mm. because you learn okay, what are, what does my critic sound like? And when does it come out the most? Okay. Can I sit with the discomfort of having something that is messy and not finished yet? Can I sit in that with this? And it, it shows me a lot about myself and who I am. You know, it's sometimes it's not a pleasant part of us that we see. Yeah. And that's why I love, like, just, I tread with very gentle hands with writers because you never know if like they're dealing with, trauma from their past things that things have been said to them and I'm not like I'm very much trauma informed I'm not um a therapist um and so I can't process all of those things with them and I can I can have a safe space where they can say oh 
this goes much deeper than just like this silly chapter that I'm trying to write. Or this character is triggering to me because it reminds me of this person in my life. And I think those are the stories that matter. And the more that writers can have the tools to face those stories and to work through the emotional aspects of the writing process, the more successful that they're going to be in getting those stories out into the world that really matter because we can feel them. There's like, there's that tangible emotion in them when we read it, that it's like this writer went through something in order to understand this and learn this. And I just get chills. I just, I love, I I love that creative process and you know, that creative process too. I I um I totally experienced that when I was writing my book that comes out um later on this year and there were things that came up that as I was writing it I was like oh shit I thought that was like packed away and healed and all figured out I'm like wow that came out of nowhere and it's really mm-hmm. interesting it's like when you do that and allow that to come out in that fashion so totally. all right so my my question for you is what does someone do who has writer's block like how do they get past that yeah um I always think you can't find the solution until you know what the wound is or what the problem is, you know, there's not a band-aid solution for writer's block. Um, and so I very much say, like, slow down, be really gentle with yourself, tread gently. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself getting blocked, if you're sitting down to write and you're like staring at a blank screen and you're panicking or you're, you know, whatever the narrative is, stop and just get aware of what that narrative is. Like, it's yeah. not about the writing anymore. It's about what's happening inside when you're going through that slow down, take some deep breaths, um, get back in your body, like Hmm. get back in touch. I really loved the, um, episode that I just listened to with, what was her name? Lindsay, I think. Um, Oh, Lauren, Lauren, Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. 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 With an L Lauren, she talked about like somatic experiencing and all of that. Um, I think, I think that that's really important to get in touch with, okay, where am I feeling this in my body? And then writing about it, just like writing about what your writer's block feels like, writing about the messages that are coming up, talking Mm -hmm. to somebody, processing it. We run like a writing community. um, And that's very much the culture of this community is like when stuff comes up, it's not like, oh, like I'm so such a dumb writer, like all of those things. It's like that that kind of self-talk like is not going to actually help you get to the result of feeling like you're back in the flow of creativity. And so I very much am an advocate for getting curious, um, you know, talking it through with somebody that understands this creative process, be it a friend, be it another writer, and then just like moving slow, moving slow and trusting that it's not going to always be this way. You're not always going to be stuck. Um, I think that that for me has been the most helpful. Are you personally a revise as you go or write a messy draft to get it all down? Um, I'm a mix. So far, my process has been, I like bust out the first maybe like 10,000 words of, of a story. I get an idea and I, and then I have to like sit back and process. I have to plan a little bit ahead. I have to get more ideas and then mm-hmm. I sprint again. And then I kind of yeah. like pull back. It's this rhythm that I have to feel into. And sometimes I'm trying to push and get word count, but then my brain's like, no, there's there's something that you need to gather right now. There's something yeah. that you need to gather. So I'm learning to listen to that flow a little bit better and follow it. And when the energy is good and when it's flowing, okay, like 
I can make more space for drafting and I can make more time to do that. And when it's time to just kind of sit with it, I just sit with it. And I, I'll revise things as I go, you know, like I'll update little things, but yeah. I try and get that first draft out because it gives me a better full picture of, yeah. of, of the story. And then it gives me something to actually revise from. Yeah. There's something that feels really good about finishing that first draft. It's like, okay, like step one did that. Okay, cool. And it, it yeah. allows me to like set that first draft behind. But if, if it works for somebody to revise as they go, like, yeah, I say own it and do it. What's like your process like? Um, I do the same thing. I'm kind of either or like sometimes if I'm stuck, I'll go back in and start to revise a little bit from the beginning. But mm-hmm. I'm also let me blast out as much as I can. Um, and get the structure out and then go back and kind of fill it in. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hybrid too. Are you an under, underwriter or overwriter? I'm definitely an underwriter. I've had to, uh, sometimes I would set big word count goals and then I'd be like, well, that scene was significantly less, but I, I learned kind of like you were saying, I get, if I can get the bones of the thing in, like from beginning to end then I can like start breathing more life into it. And so I've just accepted my settings in the first draft are really like (laughs) average, very like, you know, the details that normally, you know, kind of draw you into a scene, they're not there. My conversations come in really quickly. Dialogue comes to me really quickly. You know, kind of emotional beats of a scene come to me really quickly. But other details, I'm like, where does this place take place? Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't know, but I know these two characters. Yeah. And I know what they're doing together. Yeah. yeah I just, yeah. I'm the same exact way. I'm not someone who's going to pump out a hundred thousand words and have to cut back. I'm going to give you like, I'll have the full story and half the length the book's supposed to be and then go back and fill in. So yeah. And then it's like, now it's the length that yes. it should be, you know, after the fact. Yeah. That's really so, cool. Before we get to the end, um, I want to just talk about what you do as an editor. Yeah. So um, there are a lot of things that I do that typical editors do. You know, I'm trained in things like copy editing and, you know, just like cleaning up a manuscript. Um, But what I really like to do and what my favorite thing to do is developmental editing, which is where we are looking at the big picture. We're looking at your characters. We're looking at do they have really meaningful um, stories that like that they're going through emotionally, even if they're a side character, do we feel like they're alive? Do we feel like they're actually going through things? Um, I really like to dive in and help people so that, that they feel like the work that they are putting out into the world accurately represents the things that like are in their mind and the things that they've been trying to create. I help to make sure that that has been translated to the page. And I've done that not just with fiction. I've done that with some nonfiction as well, coaching people through writing memoirs or nonfiction. Um, It's very similar outlining, accountability, creative process that we have to go through. And I like having a very dynamic list of clients. Like I don't like just one genre. It's more Mm -hmm. about the connection that I experience with the writer themselves. And so I I help with that. I also do help coach people through the querying process to Mm -hmm. find agents. because I don't think that that should be like gate kept or that people shouldn't know how to yeah. successfully navigate that. Like if somebody's going to be resilient enough to do it, like, yeah, I want to give you all of the tools to do that. So I yeah. coach people through that. And then we also run a writing community. Um, a friend and I 
called the writing team. We run it on Discord. It's like five bucks a month, but every week we're setting goals. We have tips. We do writing sprints as a community. And um, and then we have like writing prompts and do all sorts of fun events. We just finished um, a writing marathon where it was sort of like a... It was a version of NaNoWriMo, but it spanned two months instead of one month. And you could set whatever your marathon goal was mm-hmm. instead of the typical like 50,000 for NaNoWriMo. It could be whatever works for you. So we'll, we are going to be doing that again later this year. So we're doing events like that all the time for the community to try and help people meet their writing goals in the first place. So we're kind of doing a lot of different things. But, That's awesome. Um, but always, always focused on catering towards writers and helping them get to those places that they want to be. Yeah. And for those who don't know what NaNoWriMo is, it's a typically happens in November, right? Mm -hmm. And and the goal is to get to, is it 50,000 words? Is that where that, so it's Mm -hmm. like to get 50,000 words down in one month and that you can log in and track your progress. And it's kind of fun for that little dopamine hit to see your word count go up. And Mm -hmm. um, I did it once. I never finished it. I don't think I got to my 50,000. It's a pretty intense process. And and I have beef with it because people then feel like a failure because it's very intense. And so that's why we wanted to create something that allowed for a lot more flexibility, but still had a similar accountability and excitement to watch it grow. Awesome. So yeah, super exciting. Cynthia, you're going to be at the She Who Wins Summit. You will be doing more of this. You'll be giving Mm -hmm. some strategies and tips. You are pairing up with my publisher, Lydia Stevens from Urano Publishing, um, and hosting a workshop. So for all of you writers Mm -hmm. out there, you can come, you can learn from Cynthia, you can pitch your work to a traditional publishing house. um, And it's pretty cool because usually conferences like this don't have this, but this is such a near and dear topic to me that it felt like it needed its place here. So I'm so excited to have you join us all the way from Arizona. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm super excited to talk about this stuff. So thanks for having me. All right, one final question. Oh, but two final questions. One, where can people find you? Okay, Um, where I'm probably most accessible is on my Instagram, Cynthia Merrill Editing. That's probably the quickest way to get in contact with me. And you can see all of my tips, shenanigans. You can join the writing team from there if that's something that um, sounds good to you. And then what was the other question? I and then this, I hadn't asked you. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, last, the last question is, what does winning mean to you? What does winning mean to me? I would say that winning to me is, is, is authenticity. You know, winning to me is being able to step in a space and not have to think about how I'm showing up because I just mm-hmm. am being, I'm just existing just as I am. And that to me is winning. I love it. Thank you so much to having this chat with me. Yeah. It's so great to meet you. Yes. And I'll see you in a few months. I know right around the corner. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast. So you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.